Hello, I'm Robert, and welcome to our Upfront Podcast. I'm joined today with my, uh, I'd say, co-co-co co-host is that what we're calling our each other or? i prefer lovely assistant all right whatever. so he this is my lovely assistant uh, introduce yourself lovely assistant my name is adam the right. lovely assistant awesome yeah so just like every week we're gonna have an awesome show lined up for you today we're gonna be getting a buddy of ours on the phone here later just to kind of talk with an interview but before we get to that adam I've got an asking for a friend question for you. Fire away. So I found this dude here on Facebook, and he asked this question. He said, if you show up late to church, do you still get to participate in the after-church banquet? A man's got to eat, Robert. I say yes. Awesome. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you because there's fellowship there. Two or more gathered. That's right. It works. Man cannot live on bread alone. Very true. And you know it's church. They probably got some Papa John's along with chili. I mean, you never oh, know. Oh, yeah. It'd be the perfect lunch. All right, Robert. I've got an asking for a friend for you. All right. Lay it on me. Now, I'm asking for a friend, okay? Okay. Okay. So, no judgment here. Uh, there's zero judgment All in right. this segment. Let's say you're in the kitchen making supper. It's been a long day, so you got to grab for the hamburger helper. And in the process, you got everything ready, and you're at the most crucial moment where all the ingredients are going to go in. And then you realize it requires milk, and you don't have any. Asking for a friend here, right. what do you do? Do you shut the fire off, hightail it to the store, or do you replace it with water? Well, I would hope that you, I, I mean your friend... Uh, is following good cooking etiquette and like reading the directions beforehand. But in my personal opinion, I would shut the flame off and hightail it to the store. Well, I didn't. I mean, my friend did not uh, really follow the instructions. He did not begin with the end in mind and substituted the sucker with water. Oh, I bet it tasted horrible. Well, my friend tells me it was awful. But my wife tore it up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, that's all in good fun here. Uh, But tonight we actually have a guest coming in with us. Uh, He joins us from Nashville, Tennessee. He'll out-eat you in any buffet, and you best not talk crap about his mama, Christian Anderson. Christian, how are you, buddy? I am doing absolutely fabulous, my friend. How are you? Oh, I'm doing amazing. Um, So we here on Upfront uh, just kind of want to go through some things and just kind of like interview different people and get to know people. Cause really life is about the stories that we have, right? That's a very upfront explanation. I like it. Awesome. Awesome. So Adam, you have a question to start us off with for him, correct? Yes. So Christian, you're a musician, correct? Some may say. All right. And, and you, you participate on worship teams. You've even been a worship leader yourself in the past, right? Yes, I have. What kind of influence would you say that the world has on worship music in a church? Oh, boy, where do I start? (laughs) I would say probably the biggest thing is the theatric aspect of it. Um, If you go to many secular concerts, you'll see, of course, lights, you know, fog machines, stuff like that. And I think a lot of that's been incorporated in the church. Some may say it's unnecessary. I don't know. Also, there's um, there's a lack of personal songs i feel like 
which is also a thing in secular music. A lot of times whenever people are writing, you know, your top 100 pop hits, they write them for a general audience. And I don't think there's really anything wrong that for being in corporate worship, because it's kind of a general thing. Everybody can stand under the umbrella of the song. But uh, I would say that uh, there's, a, there's a lack of putting your heart on paper, if you will. So do you, do you think there's any negative effects? And what I mean by that is the world kind of holds everything to a standard. And a, and a church sometimes will lean into that negativity and think they have to model what the world is saying they have to be. Do you think that could have negative connotations to a church gathering? I'd say 100%. I'd say 100%. I mean, the idea of worship is to to step out of the world and just be in God's presence. Or at least that's what I see it as, you know, a glorifying thing. I totally agree with that. And I feel like... Um, having the expectations, people kind of forget about the idea of worship and, you know, what it's supposed to be. So, you have musicians on stage trying to impress the congregation, stuff like that, and it usually ends up floundering. I know that's the case with me. Yeah, so kind of moving, like, more into some of your personal life. So me and Adam both know, but a lot of our listeners probably won't know this, but, like, you've started a band, right? Oh, no, everybody knows we're famous. Oh, everybody. Okay, okay. I wasn't aware <laughs> I'm of the joking, fame I'm yet. Joking. So one of the questions <laughs> I have for you is, like, why start a band? Uh, I don't know. A few uh, few years ago, I uh, I kind of started writing music. It's kind of a personal thing. I guess like a therapy thing. I was kind of going through a rougher-ish time in my life. And um, I started singing those songs, and people started liking those songs. So I was like, why not put these songs out? And that's essentially it. Plus, I just want to do whatever music whenever I grow up, whether it's... Even if I'm just sitting behind a desk producing other people's music, I just want to do music. So, um, in terms of your musical abilities, like, where where do you get those from? Like, are your parents musical? Are you just kind of like the black sheep of the family? Like, where does that come from? I get it from God. <laughs> also, I'd say my grandfather. Okay. So was your grandfather the one that kind of taught you? Because, like, for me personally, like, I know you play guitar, you can play keys. Like, I mean, you have a wide range of instruments. Did it just take, like, time and dedication? Or was there someone, like, teaching you every step of the way? Um, for guitar, uh, my grandfather taught me. I took about two months of lessons. And then the Internet really just did it, man. And then for, you know, keys, bass, whatever else you want to throw out, um, it's pretty much just... Yeah, time and dedication. YouTube. Gotcha. So a whole lot of YouTube and a whole lot of internet. Exactly. Gotcha. So uh, one of the songs on, I think it's your most recent album. I don't know. Have you recorded another album since? I don't remember the title of your album. It's like... Grateful Regrets and Every Folly. Grateful Regrets and Every Folly. So that's the only album that you have out right now, right? Yeah. So on that album, you have a song called Nemo, right? Yes. Tell me a bit about that song. What went through, like, the songwriting process of that? Oh, boy. Okay, so that song was, uh, it's funny because that song is the black shape of the album, in a sense. It, um, that song, the only thing I actually had written for that song whenever I went to record it was the lyrics. That was the only thing I had. And pretty much the rest of it was just kind of thrown together, like, oh, this sounds right. 
that's for the songwriting process. Are you going to like lyrically? Uh, lyrically, lyrically, I wrote the song about my ex-girlfriend before she was my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, because it kind of like a lot of the songs on your album kind of have like that minor, like mellow kind of tone to them, and then that one there's just kind of like you said, like the black sheep. It's really like upbeat, exciting. So. Yeah, it's a it's a happy song. It'll make you smile. Yeah, I mean, I would argue it's probably one of my favorites on the album. So. Thank you. Yeah, so I think Adam has a couple more questions here for you. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get back into the world of worship, kind of my realm, you know. Let's do it. By the way, by the All way, right, I, I, I didn't ask you how your day was going, Adam. How my day was going? Yeah, I, did, I forgot to ask you. I'm sorry. My day's going pretty good now. It's winding down. I'm talking to you. There it you go. Much better than that. Exactly. Same right. here. So thanks, thanks for asking. All right, let's get so, back. So back back to business. All right, so we were we were talking about worship in the local church and the the influence the outside world has on it. So let's get down to the nitty gritty in your face real real questions here. I think, and this is my opinion, and, and I'm a blunt upfront kind of guy. I, I think that <laughs> I think that there is kind of an epidemic in the church today where the world says the music in the church needs to look a certain way. So every everybody on worship teams and things in a lot of churches are adapting everything they do to fit what the world says it should be. And as a result, worship leaders are getting encouraged and their pride begins to build. And then they decide they want to chase a music dream. And so they leave the local church and they chase this music dream. What would you say to that? You have to get to the root of the issue whenever, whenever it comes to that, because if somebody's, if somebody's in church, I mean, I've been, I played in church for five years. I started when I was in high school and pretty much have been going consistently since then. Uh, the only break is whenever I first moved to Nashville and I'm already getting plugged into a new church here. Um, the root, you have to get to the root of it though, because if somebody's playing music in church to play music, then, of course, if the grass seems greener on the other side, you know, oh, this one isn't a volunteer job. This will actually get me paid, whatever. So I may, re- I may reach stardom. People will respect me. They get it in their head. I think that's um, that's one of the biggest issues because – and it, it was even the thing for me whenever I started playing music in church, whenever I started doing worship. I just did it because I wanted to play music. And, you know, I had no other avenue. I didn't have a band at that time or anything. It was just me in my bedroom. A lot of people will start doing it for that, but they'll never change their mindset. God, like, like I said earlier, God's very, very loud with me. So whenever I started thinking about myself, I would flounder on stage, you know. And it kind of whipped me back into shape, and it kind of showed me, you know, it's not about being a musician or whatever. It's about worshiping, you know. And I think a lot of people don't really grab that, so they'll see that the grass is greener with a secular, you know, music dream or whatever and they're going to chase after that because you know they feel like they're essentially getting used and that's that's not necessarily my mindset that's for one that's what other people have told me kind of like you know your friend told you earlier (laughs) but the uh no in all seriousness like i i love playing in church i have no issue doing it for completely free i don't mind 
Um, but a lot of people don't do that, and they feel like they're being used. And it's not necessarily the case. It's a servanthood thing, you know? Yeah, I've, I've worked with a lot of worship teams, and you always have that certain group within a worship team that reaches a point, uh, I'm going to call it burnout, and they reach a point of burnout because they just feel like they're being used. And I, I think, I'm kind of curious of your opinion here, but I think that really falls on the worship leader themselves, you know, just not watching out for their people and not keeping them fed the way they should. What do you think about that? It does, but you also have to figure out, you know, you have to remind yourself of, you know, what you're working with. I know some churches don't have too many resources or people to, you know, swap out in between, you know. And people will get burned out, but that's a that's a natural thing, you know. There were times whenever I was an encounter, you know, I played there for, what, three, four years? Three yeah, about three years. No, it was four years. Anyway, I played I played there for four years, and there were times where I'd wake up on a Sunday and I said, there is nothing I'd rather do than to not go there and just lay in bed. There were times where I said that, and there were times where I actually did that. But you I, know, I think it, we all go through that at times, though. Oh, yeah, of course. Some people would say uh, that's just Satan knocking on the door. I feel like that is a very true statement. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very true statement. I feel like it's a mixture of that and it's also kind of, you know, it's a selfishness thing, you know. Absolutely. So you served as a worship leader for, for a time, correct? Yes. What would you say was... Well, what would you say you found most difficult about filling the role as a worship leader that you really never gave much thought to before you filled that role? 100% being an example to other people, being an example to the rest of the team, to the church, for everything. Because if I go up on stage and I just think, and I just walk off after that, you know, what kind of leadership is that? I, I feel like the worship leader's responsibility is to keep the the rest of the team's head in order as well as properly leading the rest of the congregation. You know, and it's, I never really realized that. I thought it was just, you know, Oh, I'll play music. You know, people, people hop on it, whatever. And it's not just that there's so much more that goes into it on a, you know, a spiritual mental level, whatever you want to call it, that is completely unnoticed by a congregation, but, it has a huge impact. You know, as a leader, if your heart's in the right place, it's easier for the other people to follow suit, if you will. Kind of sounds abstract. I mean, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So when you step into a position like that and you're unfamiliar with what's going on, it's a learning process. 100%. And then you're dealing with people. And I had a meeting with, with, uh, my worship team uh, just a couple days ago and my opening statement to them was repeat after me. I'm a musician and I'm a diva. <laughs> you know, that's, I love it. <laughs> right? that's, that's just, that's a hurdle you have to get over. Every, every, every musician that you deal with is me focused at some point, you exactly. know, they're, they're artists and, and they have that quirk about them or, about us, uh, I've never really classified myself in that boat until recently because I realized I am a diva, and I openly admit it. So my name is Adam, and I am a diva. Yeah, you are. Thank you, Robert. What? 
My name is Christian. I'm a diva. Get it. I'll say that even without you telling me to. My name is Robert, and I feel pressured to say I'm a diva. Get out of here. No, I think I feel like I feel like musician, non-musician, worship, non-worship, like everyone has a little bit of diva in them. Absolutely. You know, because like for me, I work in media at our at the church that I attend, and like there's times where like things don't quite go my way and I get upset about it because I'm like, no, it would look so much better like this, but other people think it looks better the other way. And we end up going the other way because I really don't have any, I don't have a style gene in my body. You know, I, I can't stylize things. I can't match colors with lights and everything like that. So yeah, you've went through like four different hairdos in the last three days, I think. Let's not oh, talk okay, about my bad. that. My bad. <laughs> what are you rocking right now, Robert? Uh, you doing like a curly thing? I think you uh, can rock a curly thing. <laughs> no, right now it's a buzz cut, but I'm going to start growing it out. So it's going to look real good. There you go. So I, I got, I got one more question for you as, as a worship leader. I, I, I've got a question that you can help me with. Okay. So you say you're working, uh, you're on a worship team now currently down in Nashville, right? I haven't joined it just yet, but I'm in the process of joining it. Okay. Well, You've been on worship teams in the past. So, now this is from one worship leader to you. The question is, what is the most frustrating thing about a worship leader that you've encountered? About myself, the team, or another worship no, leader? About about the worship leader, the worship leader that, that you're working under. What's the most frustrating thing that you've encountered? For me personally, I feel like it's... Uh... Whenever the worship leader has no guts, you know, if, that, that was a really bad way of presenting that. <laughs> I would say, like, you know, if if the spirit saying a high speed chase or something, that was a motorcycle. I'm in my car right I think now. Okay. I think he's on cops. Maybe. I may be running from the cops. I'm never going to say it over the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I would say, you know, if, if the spirit's telling you, hey, sing that sing that bridge one more time or something like that, you know, and you just kind of push that back down. You know, I feel like that's, that's one thing that should be, should be more so open. And I guess that's kind of the charismatic side of me saying that, but I've been in situations on stage where I just, I feel the Holy spirit pulling me in one direction and then I pull back. And then after church, it's just like complete disappointment in myself and, and I carry it for the next day or two of why didn't I just do that? Why was I not obedient in the moment? Right. Yeah, I totally get what you're saying. And it's like, you know, a little bit more, you take that, take the worship time and you, you stretch it out a little bit more. It could be the straw that breaks the camel's back on somebody surrendering, you know, somebody saying, Oh, maybe this is what I want. You know, so I, to put it bluntly, you know, don't say no to God. So one last question I have for you, um, and then we're going to sign off here. Um, but for those who've heard your album recently, um, there's a song on there called Sorry I Drank Your Name Brand Water Bottle. Brand Name Water Bottle. All right. Brand Name. Yeah, and the the burning question I think a lot of people ask is, what brand was that water bottle? Fiji. It was Fiji. Fiji. Oh, That's my jam. Gotcha. See, I was thinking Evian or something like that. But, oh, no, Fiji you know. all the way. Every now and then I can go for a Voss. 
Well, it's good to know that it was speedy. <laughs> and I hate to say it, Christian, I've enjoyed talking with you, but that's all the time we have left for today. Uh, but before you go, uh, we're going to give you one last chance to kind of do a shameless plug. All right. So where can they find your music? What do they need to search? How, how can they find your band, your music? All right. So for me, you can find my, my bands on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, whatever streaming or music service you want to use. Just look up Jada Beauty and you should be able to find us very quickly. Top song will be Nemo, 100% of the time. And uh, for worship music, you can find me at Crosspoint Mountain Juliet. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for joining us this evening. Uh, we're going to sign off, but I'm going to go ahead and get you off the phone. So it's been great talking with you. 100%. Before we go, I, got, I got one question for you. I got one answer. Mac or PC? Mac. Awesome. See you later, man. Love you guys. Well, that does it for this podcast. Uh, we want to thank you guys for joining in. Thank you guys for listening like you do each and every week. Uh, Adam, do you have anything else to close us out with? Have an awesome week. <laughs>